Christopher Thorns, the guitarist and one of the songwriters of the hit band Blind Melon. He also has a new band called Sunny Boy Thorn. He has played with AWOL Nation, produced many people, and he's an old friend. Let's begin. Hello, and here we are, another episode of the Chris Kirkwood podcast. Chris, say hello. Mm, hello, Bill. And we are very lucky and privileged to be at the studio of one Christopher Thorne, uh, the, uh, one of the main songwriters, guitarist of the band Blind Melon. He plays with a, his current band is... Uh, Sonny Boy Thorne. Yes. Hello, hello. And, uh, you know, just a uh, number of, of things. He's a producer, he's a songwriter, and, uh, let's, and years ago... Toured with the Meat Puppets, Chris That's Topher. Right. <laughs> good to see you, man. Yeah, good to good see to you after see all you. this time, all these years. That's man. cool. Crazy, crazy, crazy. Good yeah. to see you having things going well. Seems like got a nice crib here. Yeah, got a groovy studio. Chris has been kind. Of, Christopher has been kind enough to invite us over and let us record another episode of the Chris Kirkwood podcast, <laughs> featuring Christopher Thorne of Blind Melt. Right on, man. So how you been? I've been great. I've been great. Things really are going good? good? Busy. Yeah, busy. I, got, I just have a lot of things on my plate, but I like it that way. Right on. I like, get nervous when I don't have a lot oh, of things yeah. on my plate. L- look at what happens if you don't. Look at me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, like, what, what else is going on? What's shaking? Well, I have a new project, like, like we just said, Sunny Boy Thorn, so that's been the priority. I still fit in production stuff mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, pay the bills and stuff, but... Uh, but yeah, I just I juggle, and then I own two recording studios, so they they damn yeah they stay they stay busy too. Um, this one's been getting booked quite a bit, so I'm always kind of juggling that. And then when it's not booked, then I'm in here doing my own thing, and so yeah, I got I got a lot going on. I'm 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 really lucky. Yeah, right on. That's great. What's Sunny Boy Thorn? What's it's a project I started with. I was I produced this. Uh, this band called Vauxhall Broadcast, which was a local band, badass band in in, uh, in L.A. And then at the time, I was on the road with AWOL Nation. I was playing guitar in AWOL Nation. And um, on my time off, I just felt like I wanted to do a new project, you know, because AWOL Nation was not my thing. It was, you know, Aaron Bruno is sort of the, the leader of that, of that band. And uh, I just wanted to write songs and make my own record for my own selfish reasons. So... Davey and I started writing songs together, even though he was in Vauxhall Broadcast at the time. We started writing songs on my time off uh, from touring with, with AWOL. And, uh, and then I left AWOL, and Vauxhall ended, so we made Sonny Boy Thorne our priority. And um, it's been super fun. It's, you know, it was really just Davey and I. And Davey. Davey's last name? Davey Dennis, sorry. Uh, we, uh, you know, we started writing songs, and then we just started bringing friends in, like whoever was around. Like my friend Matt Flynn lives down the street from Maroon 5, and he was coming over and playing drums. And Glenn Graham, Graham from Blind Melon was in town for a weekend. We cut a few songs with him. Um, the legendary Jim Keltner. Who damn. Yeah, damn right. Totally damn. Uh, he played on a couple songs. Um, who else? A guy named uh, Frank Devana played. Rami from the Foo Fighters played on m- most of the record. Well, about half the record, I guess. I guess I should say he's a good old friend. So it really was just a reason to like hang out and have a party and record. You know, I mean, I'm quick, lucky to have the studio. So quick question, not to digress. Were you part of the group that was playing in Laurel Canyon? Those uh, sessions up there? No. Okay. The jam session. Yeah, yeah, about? yeah. Yeah, I never went to that. I always wanted to go to that. Okay. What's that? Because some of the people you're mentioning. I know. All part of that team. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that crew. I remember people going up there and, and jamming, but I never got a chance to go up. Um, uh, there's a bunch of Laurel Canyon youngsters uh, and oldsters that have been jamming up in Laurel Canyon. It's like... Uh, yeah. Um, God, why can I not remember this? Uh, I know. I forgot the guy's name who does it. It's a bunch of the guys from Maroon 5 and uh, guys from the band Dawes, and I think Jim Keltner plays with them sometimes. Yeah. I was doing jams here. That's kind of how the whole band, in a way, started. Because David and I started writing songs, and I started doing these jams once a week or whenever, whenever people were off a tour, and and then that jam kind of became like, well, let's record the songs that David and I have been working on. So that's kind of how the band formed. So now we're playing with uh, those our bass players, uh, Daniel Curcio and Tony Capito uh, is the drummer, and Davey and I. So that's that's the band. So it's a solid band. It's a solid band. And you guys gig? 
yeah, we just we did the residency down here at uh, I still call it Spaceland, but I guess they call it Satellite, right down there in Silver Lake, and uh, we just played San Diego a couple days ago. Uh, you know, so yeah, we're we're playing uh, sort of selective gigs around town. And as I understand it, Blind Melon is gigging. Yeah, we still do. You know, we do. I don't know, a half a dozen to a dozen shows a year. It just depends on everybody's mm-hmm. schedule. All right, so let's get into this. So. How old are you? I'm 47. You're 47. All right. So how did you, let's, I, I, I like these kind of questions. This is, uh, you know, I do this, you know, because I, I find it interesting to find out. How the hell did you get into music? Where are you from? Where'd you grow up? From Pennsylvania originally. I grew up, I grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, you know, I got turned on to music. My mother, you know, she's a bit of a hippie and she was playing acoustic, uh, you know, folk songs to me. Like my earliest memories are you know, sitting on the floor. I can totally picture her sitting on the floor and her singing like, you know, Peter Paul and Mary songs mm-hmm. or Jim Croce songs. And so that was my first memory of, of, uh, of music. And then, you know, at some point, maybe, uh, you know, 12 or 13, I asked for a guitar, you know, for Christmas. I got a nice Hondo. And, uh, and then, you know, for me, when, when it all changed for me is I'll, I'll never forget the day I heard, uh, Sympathy for the Devil. My parents had like uh, in the seventies. People had like the intercom. You know, like, like intercom. We had intercom in our house, which was uh-huh. ridiculous because right. our house wasn't that big. But right. for some reason, it was like the trend of the seventies. You know, to have intercoms. And uh, but we had the speaker on our back patio, and uh, you know they would just put on the. You could put music on, so we they would always play like classic rock station. And I I actually will never forget the day. I can totally I could picture the day. I can picture being out on my back patio and hearing. Sympathy for the Devil, and I didn't even know it was the Rolling Stones. I just knew that was the scariest motherfucking music I ever heard, and it just, like, I felt like all the DNA in my body changed, and I was like, whatever that is, I want to go to that. It felt so dark, but so exciting, you know, that feeling where you're like, I'm, f- I'm so afraid, but I want that, whatever that feeling is, you know. So that, that for me, that was uh, that was the sort of the left turn, oh, I'm following that, you know, and I, and I just wanted to... Wanted to be in a band from that point forward, you know. And then, so let's see. How did, okay, so you start playing guitar, you hear the Stones, and you grew up in a, so that's a fairly permissive household, right? Kind of? Yeah. You know? Because I didn't, you know? Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm Chris Kirkwood. This is the Chris Kirkwood podcast. And he was and, not uh, allowed to listen to the Rolling Stones. And uh, I didn't know who the fuck, <laughs> the Rolling Stones were way too cool for me, you know? I mean? <laughs> way, way, it was just like, you know. Now, my parents are cool, man. I have I have great, great parents. I mean, my, my mom was listening to Jimi Hendrix and stuff, so, you know. Uh, and your folks still around? Yeah, absolutely. They're actually in Joshua Tree. I have, I have a place in Joshua Tree, and they're there right now. Oh, they came in so from sweet. Florida. To they're still together? Off. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, they're rad. They're like the coolest people I know. Well, oh, good on them. Yeah. Yeah. My my folks split up. God, I was a baby, you know? And uh, and then I was abused as a child, subsequently. And I think that... I well, think the that, interview just went right to a dark place. I think that's pretty <laughs> much like, it. went to a really dark place right <laughs> there. <laughs> I think that pretty much wraps it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay, great talking <laughs> to you. Woo, <laughs> 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 It's dark, and it's got woo-hoos in it. That's what I always liked about Sympathy for the Devil. Um, <laughs> so you're playing guitar. Where in Pennsylvania? Uh, a tiny little town uh, called Dover, Pennsylvania, which is, uh, you know, south of Harrisburg. Uh, right. Small little out out in the country, you know. I was into horses. Uh, you know, I played ice hockey. I was into. I grew up with horses. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was really. I, I went through a horse phase. I was super into horses. But then, you know, once I got turned on to the guitar, then everything kind of changes. You know, and you stuck with the guitar, and you suddenly you're playing guitar. How, how, did you move out here? Yeah. So in 1980, uh, I mean, I guess like I graduated in '86 and '88. I uh, just out of nowhere just was like, man, if I'm, I. I want a shot, you know. I want a record deal. I just, I had one goal. I just wanted a record deal, you know. Right. And nobody in Pennsylvania that I knew ever had a record deal. You right. don't get a record deal living in Pennsylvania. So I, I left. I was in college. I went to two years of college, and then I just, I quit college, and I moved out with my girlfriend, who's still my wife, um, in 1988, Heather. Yep. And uh, so we packed up a U-Haul and uh, drove out to Los Angeles. And um, at that point, I put an ad in. There was a thing called Music Connection, you know, before the internet. That's how you got, you know, right. that's how you sort of found musicians, you know. 
So I had an ad uh, looking for a bass player, and through that ad, I met Brad Smith, who's the bass player for Blind Melon. Right. And um, and he was in my band for a little bit. My band kind of fizzled, and uh, you know, like a year later, uh, you know, Brad called and said, "Man, I just found the most amazing singer, and uh, we need a guitar player." And that was Shannon. And uh, and then I joined Blind Melon. So, was Shannon out here? Yeah, he moved out here from. Indiana. Right. So, you know, when he when he landed in LA, you know, he was one of those guys that everybody kinda knew, oh, you know, there's a new kid in town, you know, he made quite an impact, you know. Right. Beating people up and getting drunk and <laughs> he was kinda like that. Yeah, he was like that. For Wasn't sure. he a wrestler? He was a, a high ama- school wrestler. He, he was a he was a wrestler and he was a black belt. Oh, he was a black belt. Too. Yeah, so I, I remember hanging out with him in clubs in LA and you know, and he wasn't like a giant guy, you know, yeah. Shannon's not super tall, but I saw him, I saw him flat out <laughs> roundhouse kick people in the face and I knock them out. It. Like he would knock people out, no exaggeration, with one with one hit. Right. I mean, he it was incredible. Uh, if you know how to do that, you know what I mean. I mean, you see, like fighting is like a male thing, right? You know what I mean. You're like, man, motherfucker. You know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. But you run up against the motherfucker that actually has like training. Yeah. <laughs> and the next thing you know, you're laying on the ground going. Is it time for school? Yeah, you know yeah, I mean? totally. Because the dude knows what to do, and there's, there's just no hope. I remember when I was a kid, my friend Chris Hart. Chris, you're listening to this? Man, you know, he was a, he was a feisty little fucker, right? Uh-huh. And uh, there was this fight happening. We, I lived across the street from this big field. Me and Chris both did. And there was a fight happening. And then uh, one of the kids picked up a stick, like a, someone, one of the like uh, audience members. And Chris kind of intervened to keep this kid from getting out with a stick. So this other guy that was actually involved in the fight d- didn't like that and intervened. And then... and. Uh, Chris wasn't a very big dude either, and he, he like, you know, and he was older, but we were older than all these kids, you know, but the motherfucker that was in it obviously knew how to box, right? So it was kind of like Chris was like, you know, swing, throw a punch, the guy block it, and then boom, hit Chris in the face. And then Chris's little brother's telling me, help him, help him. I'm like, you know, <laughs> now nah, you help him. You're his fucking brother. I'm just his friend, you know, and it was that skilled, you know, yeah. boxing kind of thing, you know, and it seemed like Shannon always had a, a, a physical side to him, definitely, you know? Yeah. He did. He Is, did. Like yeah. some, you know, Indiana. That's a, that's a Midwestern kind of a thing, you know. And and it's and I don't know. It's interesting. You guys actually moved out here to Los Angeles, so he'd moved out here. He yeah. moved out here. Yeah, yeah. So because it's something I never did, right? Yeah. You know, and I'm from Phoenix. Yeah. And, uh, which is closer to LA than you know Indianapolis and or Indiana yeah. and, and uh, Pennsylvania definitely, sure. but still, never made that you know never made that that leap out here. So you guys, you're moving out here. We came out for the dream, as cliche as it is. It's just like no, that's balls, man. I'm going to LA to be a rock star. That's balls. And I remember everybody in Pennsylvania because, you know, nobody leaves. You know, so you but know, didn't Poison? No, they were. They stayed. They were. They were. They got signed out of Harrisburg. They may maybe later on they moved to Los Angeles, but they were a Harrisburg band when they when it when it happened for them. But you know, they were like the one you know odd oddball band that it that it happened for over there but i just didn't think i would have a shot if i was going to stay in dover pennsylvania right you know and i remember everybody saying to me like man you're fucking crazy you know going to uh los angeles it's you know it's like you know it's one in a million chance you're gonna you're gonna you know you're gonna mm-hmm. it's gonna happen for you but i in my head i was like well but i'm one so right. like one in a million, that's not that bad of odds, right? <laughs> right. I mean, you know, the lottery's worse, right? <laughs> right. So, exactly. And if you don't do it, it ain't going to happen, right? You right, figure. exactly. So right. I think I was naive enough to just go, well, fuck it. I'm one out of a million. Why not me? You and know? people do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, like, uh, look at Brad Pitt. Where's that guy from? He's from fucking Kickapoo. Yeah. No, he's from Missouri. Yeah, the, Missouri, you know? right? Yeah. He's, a, he's a frat boy from University of Missouri. You know, so this is the land of... Dreams and a broken dreams too, definitely. It's definitely but, both, and it definitely you know? and all my dreams have come true in Los Angeles many times over. Well, that's fucking sweet. Yeah, I I, I owe Los Angeles. I, I I I love it here. Okay, so the band starts then. What about Rogers? Where's Rogers from? So Rogers is from Miss. So Rogers? Brad, yeah, Roger Stevens is from Mississippi. Brad Smith is from Mississippi, and Glenn Grammer all from Mississippi. Those dudes know each other beforehand. They did. They all grew up in this tiny little town, West Point, uh, Columbus. They're both from these two little tiny towns right there. Okay. Rogers and Brad are are friends from childhood. Okay. They come out at one point. Rogers goes back home, and uh, and that's when I met Brad. And then they and then Rogers comes back out. They both meet Shannon. Brad calls me and says we need an, another guitar player. We met this guy. And I went over and, and met Shannon, and I was like, yeah, fucking hey, I'm in. This guy's a fucking superstar. 
So you start the band. Then what happens? We got we never played one live show. It was, it was, it was incredible back back in those days getting a record deal. We we didn't play one live show. We did a, a four track recording, and we had this attorney named um, Dennis Ryder. I forgot his name for a second. Dennis Ryder uh, was our attorney, and he went and wound it up. And we had like you know ten people wanted to give us a record deal. It was wild. We did these showcases. Uh, at like a just like at a rehearsal studio, and at seven we played for Epic, and then at ten, you know, whatever somebody else came, you know, Mercury came, and then Capital came. Like so, we did that for a couple days. We wound up getting a deal to Capital. Gnarly. When was this? This is nineteen ninety one. We got our record deal with Capital. You know, so ninety one. Yeah. Okay. So all I can do, well, let me compare and contrast that to my experience, right? Because I'm Chris Kirkwood, mm-hmm. and this is the Chris Kirkwood podcast. And you were in what band? And I was in a band called the Meat oh, Puppets. Oh, you're still in the Meat Puppets. I'm still in the Meat Puppets. <laughs> <laughs> and so the fucking Meat Puppets, I mean, I don't know. I, I never had that thing like, um, uh, like, I want to be a, uh, uh, I want to get signed. You know what I mean? Yeah. I never had that. You know, huh. I, I came to the music, oddly enough, we were talking to another guest that we had on the show recently, Ilya, uh, from, uh, Russia, you know, about like, what, how do you get to music? I, I, you know, and I've told the story before. I saw the fucking movie Deliverance, you know, when I was like 13. This is like early 70s. I'll scare the hell out of you. And, and, you know, there was a couple of parts that really appealed to me. There was the one part about Squeal Like a Pig. Uh-huh, and sure. that definitely sang to my soul. Sure. But uh, the banjo sequence. In uh, it, you interesting. Know? Yeah. You know, so I picked up a banjo and I discovered that, I, that, that, that music was an interesting thing, right? Yeah. I, I like the relationship that, that, uh, that I developed between like, uh, I picked up a banjo, and then it just turned me on to myself in a cool way, and uh, into music, you know, and just, it was something I kind of dug, you know? Yeah. But coming up in the 70s, I had no illusions about being a fucking rock star in any way. It wasn't anything I was really that interested in, but I really loved music, you know? Right. I went to a lot of shows, yeah. you know, but I, I definitely didn't see myself up there, you know? Yeah. In, in, you know? As like you know, whoa, you know that the whole big '70s rock thing was yeah. was so blown out in a way, you know. Uh-huh. And it just it, it just didn't suit like my personality or anything. But I love playing, yeah. you know. Yeah. So punk rock allowed me to like play shows, you sure. know. That sure. and my brother and Derek, our drummer, my brother Kurt, you know, yeah. who, who uh, I started the band with, and Derek. So it certainly was a different kind of a thing in, in terms of like, you know, trying to get anywhere with the fucking thing it was just a question of making some music you know and then all the rest of it was kind of happenstance you know so ultimately i mean we didn't actually wind up getting like a deal like a major label deal until like this around then yeah you you guys were talking like 91 i mean we right around in there somewhere got signed to a major label and we managed to put out a lot of records before that yeah but it was on the down low sure you know just you you built a great base of you know super hardcore fans before before the major label yeah and and it was just on a different it was a different thing it was it it was just kind of like you know it it was just kind of neat you know you'd be like hey look what we made you know my name's on there yeah (laughs) yeah it's exciting when you first see that you know and that and that was fun but it was a a different thing than like uh like uh trying to purposely come out to los angeles and i saw that 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 was something that you could do yeah you know yeah yeah. and so you guys did that and you you ran into shannon so so you didn't know the dude before that no no i met him that the day brad called me and said we met this singer you should come over and meet him and and i went over and he he played me uh a song he played me jane says by jane's addiction and he played me a song called change which wound up on our first record and i was like i was so fucking blown away by him I was blown away by his personality because he was, you know, all the, you know, I, I, I'm such a sucker for like reading biographies of, you know, rock stars and all these, all these guys. And he, and he was, he was all those guys I had read about sort of wrapped up into one before success, by the way, you know, people are like, Oh, did he, was he like that from the success? I'm like, fuck no. He was a super rock star when he was a construction worker in Indiana. Right. He was that guy. He made you laugh more than anybody. He walked into the room, the whole room became him. At that point, he was just that. He was that. He was he was a giant personality, exhausting at times, <laughs> you know. And I met no, I met you guys. I knew Shannon a little bit, right? Because at a point, remember me puppets and you guys did a yeah. tour together. Right? Shannon put you on that tour, you know. He got us on that tour. Yeah, that was Shannon. So yeah, at a point, you guys had started to fucking do real well, and then we were still a band and stuff, and and we went out and did a tour together, and I met Shannon at that point. You know, and uh, now did he? What's the Axl Rose connection there? Did well, he grew up with that dude or something. Well, his so here's here's the connection. 
Shannon's sister went to school with Axel. And the one thing I can say about Axel is he was really great with helping out people from his hometown. Mm-hmm. If you came out to L.A. and you had some talent, he was going to help you. Right. And he really – he reached out his hand, and he, he thought Shannon was amazing. And he uh, – and I'll never forget the day – Shannon called me and said, hey, Axel called, and he wants me to come to the studio to sing on some songs. Do you want to go? And I was like, fuck yeah. So we went to Ocean Way, and Shannon sang on Don't Cry, and like a bunch of songs on that Use Your Illusions record. He sang on, like I don't know, five songs or something on that record. And uh, and that was a way f- for Axel to kind of help him out. You know, he, yeah. we, we definitely had a leg up, you know? I mean, we were that band that... You know, when the video came out, people were like, who the fuck is the other singer in Guns N' Roses all of a sudden? Who's right. the guy on the roof singing with Don't Cry? Right. So we, it, you know, it definitely it definitely gave us a, a, a leg up, I would say, in the business. Everybody knew who the fuck we were. Right. But pretty different styles between yeah, totally. Melon and fucking uh, yeah. Guns N' yeah. Roses. You know, I met Axel one time. We were doing a show with uh, some pals of ours, the Chili Peppers. Oh, yeah. You know, oh, these are old friends of ours, right? You know, I met those guys fucking a long time ago. You know, and uh, and then suddenly they start blowing up in this way, and now it's like you know, it went from being this this scrappy little like, you know, creepy little punk rock scene. Yeah. It was so fun, you know. Yeah, it was, sure. But but just different kind of a thing. To suddenly there was it was breaking over into a little more, bit more of a commercial thing, and uh, we were playing at the uh, Greek at the Greek theater with those dudes, wow. and. And that night, Axel came to the gig, and I met him. And I, re- you know, I remember one thing: he smelled really good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> he did. Wow, he was really well coiffed. Uh-huh, you know what uh-huh, I mean? Sure. It's fucking. was like that's funny. He has some nice duds, dude. <laughs> and uh, he was a real sweet guy. You know? Yeah, he and, was and, always super cool to me. And it's really cool to hear, you know, him being that kind of a guy. You know, that would lend. You know, that would you know just yeah. be there. You know, and yeah. share that thing because I mean, we definitely benefited from that. In that, you know, when Nirvana took us on TV. Sure, right? same thing, right? You know? Yeah, somebody helps you out. And, yeah. and and people, people like, as far as we're concerned, people say that, or some people say that, you know, that we're, like, influential on that kind of thing. But, I mean, I don't fucking hear it musically, you know? I'm not really looking for it. Sure. But as far as, like, th- that side of it, when that dude, the, the, those guys had us come on there unplugged, I, I kind of saw it as, like, you know, you know, I can see it as, like, just the scene that we had come out of. Uh, where it was like, um, did I say that right? Scene that we had come out of. The that, scene that, uh, that you had come out. Yeah. Yes. You know that. Uh, mm-hmm. You know it was so, you know, hands on. You know, and we were all kind of buddies and this kind of a thing. You know, I I thought saw, thought that them doing that was you know maybe that was the influence or something. Uh-huh. You know, where it's yeah. just kind of that attitude. Sure. You know what I mean? Where you're like you know sharing your thing and suddenly these guys blow up into this fucking you know the biggest band in the fucking world. Yeah, practically, of course. You know, and yeah, they basically. were. They definitely were. Yeah. And to, to go, you know, this is what we want to do. You know, this is one of the one of the things that we want to do now with our, you know, with where we're at. So because not everybody does that. No, they don't. You definitely. Know, a lot of people they 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 say they're going to do that. Then you know it's like. Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm gonna have Britney Spears on my record. Yeah, uh, but maybe you're next time. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. no you know? people who get who get to the top and then reach their hand down to lift people up there with them is it's a, it's a cool it's a cool thing. And Axel did that for us. Not, not not only did it help us out by you know putting Shannon on the on the record, but he also gave me the best advice uh, of my entire career, which was uh, you know when the song started to happen for us, we had all these publishing deal offers, and I and you know at the time we were just fucking broke you know and i remember thinking well man we should take this publishing deal it's a fucking lot of money you know and shannon i'll never forget shannon just saying no axel said never sell your publishing and um and we never did and it was the single greatest thing i ever did by not selling my my publishing so i i I owe that to axel because i never would have known to not sell my publishing they were offering us a bunch of money i'm a kid making 500 bucks a month right well that's a lot of money let's take it you know and shannon was like no axel says don't ever sell your publishing and we never did, so I, 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 owe him, I owe him for that. He also, we also got hooked up with his management team. We had the same manager. Oh, I didn't know that. So he, he helped us out on many, many levels. And then we toured the world with him. We toured, you know, we toured all over Europe, all over the States, all over Mexico. Playing. You guys did opening for them? Yeah, for, oh, I didn't know that. forever. I mean, our first, tour, our first tour, one of our first tours was playing in Mexico to like 100,000 people. We right. did a tour. Of, we, were, <laughs> we weren't playing arenas, we were playing stadiums. Right. So it was 100,000 people, not 20. And then we right. did... Did the states and did arenas and so we were with them a really long time. Wow, yeah. trippy. 
Yeah. Well, good good on Axel. Yeah, no doubt. I I, I actually owe him for that. And uh, you know, Axel. By the way, uh, if you'd like to come on the Chris Crooked podcast, uh, you know, <laughs> be a hell of an interview. <laughs> get in touch with Bill Cody at five 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 five. You know, so well, that's fucking far out. That's an interesting thing. Okay, so Shannon, Shannon, I got to know Shannon. I got to know you, dudes. We we did those tours together. We did a tour at least. You know, I mean, I, I you know, maybe more. And definitely got to know Shannon. Here's my last, and unfortunately, Shannon fucking just you know. We lost him, right? Yeah, yeah. So last time I saw that, saw him, we were in Chicago, and uh, Meat Puppets had that one record out of ours that actually managed to sell some copies, you know. So the re- record label was happy and supportive. It was called Too High to Die, right? And and I remember it was, uh, in Chicago, they, they made a cake because it had just gone gold, right? You know, it was like, woo and that's, that's amazing. Fucking, that's that's amazing. a lot more than we'd ever sold before, that's you know? amazing. You know? And we'd done okay for years, you know, but it was just a different thing, you know. So suddenly we're dealing with these business people who are all about actually sales, right? You know, they're trying to move, you know, units. And we're, we're, we're like, you know, that's fine, you know. That side of it was just, you know, that's the side of that, you know. We want to get the work done that we wanted to do, and we, you know, and we were cool with where we'd been at. And then we were cool to get at this place. And it was fun to have these people be satisfied, you know. And, and they actually, they made a cake. I remember they brought a cake down and it was like, oh, that's nice, you know. And we had this little party at the gig. And Shannon was there. And then at one point, and he had like a minder or something. There were people kind of keeping track of the dude a little bit, you know? Yeah, we had that. And then at, at a point, he he slips out front, and we're hanging out for a second, and he's just like, all right, man, all right, man. And then, boom, he, he hails a cab. It's in the fucking cab, and poof, he's out of there, right? And I was just like, no, that's pretty far out. You know, where's he going? I think he was barefoot. You know? was yeah, like, yeah, he was barefoot a lot, actually. You know? Yeah, yeah. And that was the last time I saw the guy. You oh, know? wow. And shortly after that, I heard that, you know, unfortunately, you know, he fucking, yeah. you know. So that had to kick your ass. I mean, it was crazy, you know, like you're on top of the world and then your singer dies. You know, it, first of all, having the success is a mind fuck to begin with. And you're just in this weird, surreal, like, did that really happen? Did not happen? And then Shannon dies and you're trying to deal with, you know, grieving over your friend dying and your, and it's not just your friend dies. The, you know, the president of your company dies, so to speak. Right. You know what I mean? He's your singer. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, your career ends and your friend dies all, all in one day. So you're grieving and you're trying to figure that out. And then, you know, things happen so fast for us in those few years. And then you're also thinking, like, did that fucking success really happen? Like, did that really happen? Like, you feel crazy because it happens so fast. And things were happening so fast that I wasn't. You don't really process stuff. It's like, oh, you know, we were on the cover of Rolling Stone, but then, you know, then you're on Saturday Night Live, and then you're opening for the Stones, and then you're, you know, like, things were happening so, so fast that I was never, I never had time to go, like, wow, that's crazy, I'm on the cover of Rolling Stone. Like, you're just on to the next thing, because things were happening so quick. And then Shannon dies, and then you're like, hold it, did all that shit happen, or is this, like, a fucked up dream, you know? So it was a, it was a mind fuck for, like, a really long time to just sort of process... Because then you're proce- processing the career and your friend's death right. all in one all – all at, all at one moment. Because it's the first time you have a break. Because right. you, know, you know how it is. You don't have a break. You tour. You make a record. You tour. You make a record. You do press. You tour. You, I mean it's just you're on that loop. Right. And then, you, and then you're, at ho- you're at home and you're like – you know, and your friend died and you're like, oh, my God, I'm at home. Now I can actually think about all the shit that just happened to me. And it's just – it's a total – it's a total – it's a total mind fuck. I mean, it really is. It's just, uh, it's and, tough. And it's a mind fuck that, you know, people like, so many people try to get to, you know? I mean, lots of people move out here trying to, you know, whether it be rock and roll, yeah. the film industry, what the fuck ever, you know? Yeah. Uh, move out here and try to make that happen. And it actually happened to you guys. Yeah. And then the fucking, you know, like, the worst of it happens. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, oh, yeah. no, not that side of it, you know? And, and now it's gone down into rock and roll you know, lore or history yeah, or whatever yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. Where like here's this bright shining star and what the fuck the dude, you know, it's yeah, that burned out Led Zeppelin thing, the fucking Icarus, you know, just like it just burned out. It burned out. I mean it was it was a it was definitely it was it was a trip, you know. It was just a total You seem like you've held up pretty well. I mean you you look fucking great, man. Thank you, know? you. you. I you stay look indoors and stay in the studio a lot. Stay out of the sun. You got a nice crib. <laughs> You're still with the same woman that you've been with for yeah. a long time. My high school sweetheart. Yeah. You got some. You, you have family. Yep, I have a young young son named Devlin. Yeah, yeah. Little Devlin. How old is he? He's nine. He's going to be ten Christmas Day this year. He's born on Christmas. Yeah. Wow. A little, a little 
Little Jesus, baby. Yeah, little Jesus. <laughs> right from the Praise atheist. Praise the Lord. <laughs> wow. That's fucking awesome, you know? And and, and w- way to go, man. Way to go. Yeah. Way to hold it together. Way to fucking, you know, yeah. you know use it to your advantage. I mean, I, I think that in, in a lot of ways, I mean, to, to have the balls to be able to fucking move out of your, you know, you obviously grew up in a, in a fairly small town. You yeah, know I mean? super small. And, uh, and, uh, and maybe, you know, having... Folks like you had supportive of you in a way, super supportive, super yeah. supportive. My parents that, were that, amazing. That had to be that had to help. It right? did because yeah. I didn't have that for fucking sure. You know yeah. what I mean? And uh, uh, you know, and to take that risk and to come out here and you know do that and, and then to have things go your way. I mean, it, it's a nice it's a nice side of it all to yeah. see this to yeah. see where you've wound up. Yeah, you know, because uh, as long as I've been at this, as long as you've been at this, you know, I know a lot of motherfuckers that have been down a pretty fucking tough road yeah sure you know Absolutely. there's this one guy i know he's this bass player in this band out of phoenix i can't remember the name of the band that fucking guy <laughs> wound up like getting shot That's pretty what I sure people he loved died you know he had to go to prison <laughs> you know I mean? and that'll happen you know <laughs> yeah yeah i've yeah. been lucky it's it's you know it's it's a roller coaster but uh, you know I've, I've been lucky and more than anything i just always just hustled and work you know when shannon died i just went right back to hustling and and working and and I, you know, I was, I just stayed working, you know, I just, is, I just, is, is that kind of what you did when that happened? You threw yourself in, cause I, I was talking to him earlier. Um, I almost used a song by somebody he was producing and writing songs with like, and this was 20 years ago Yeah, I had at Sundance, but yeah. So is that, is that basically what you did? You threw yourself into work? I or? did. I did. I did. I mean, I was, I was paralyzed for, for quite some time after, after Shannon died and, and didn't, and didn't do anything, but during Blind Melon, I knew that I wanted to be a record producer, and I, and I knew that I, I knew that I wanted to make records forever. Mm-hmm. I just really knew that. So, uh, you know, when Blind Melon was on tour, I was finding artists, and I found Jenna actually on the road. So mm-hmm. I was finding artists on the road and saying, and I, I used to tour with this giant, you know, back before laptops. My recording studio was, you know, five feet tall, giant, you know, three hundred pound road case that I'd bring to my hotel room, and. Um, I was finding artists on the road and just saying, hey, meet me in the next town and I'll record you. I'll record some demos for you. So I was recording demos in, in hotel rooms. And then I started getting people record deals because I was lucky enough to be the guy in Blind Melon, so people were taking my phone calls. Right. So when I called a record company, and said, hey, I just found somebody great. So, you know, it was kind of easy back then. You know, first of all, the record business was still making tons of money and it, right. it wasn't it hadn't collapsed yet so it was <laughs> so it was easy. so when shannon when shannon passed away i you know i knew that was i knew that was my next step because i was already all i already had one foot you know in that world anyway and uh you know i took some time off and then i went right right back into just you know really being a workaholic i just hustled and, and worked my ass off and i just made record after record i built a studio in seattle i was in seattle at the time i moved to seattle after we made that first record and um, and I bought you know any bit of money that we were making. I bought all gear because I just thought, well, I don't really give a shit about a fancy car. I just know I want to make records forever. So I'll yeah, fucking nice board. That's the that console, the 1973 API. I, I bought that in like '95 when we first started making dough. You know, we're doing this show right now from Christopher's studio here in Silver Lake. He's been kind enough to and us. It's a fucking tight little studio, absolutely, you know, and it's and it's 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 an admirable thing to see, you know, to not fuck yourself up, you know, to not yeah. fall prey to all the different things you can fall prey to. I wonder like what goes into that. People are strange little creatures, you know. So so what what's your production thing? Like what what do you do production wise? What do you think about producing records? Like I mean, I love it. I I really I really love the process. I I you know, I, I I've been really lucky to to be choosy and and choose you know who, who I want to work with and you know I just I wait for somebody to just blow me away and and then I'm then I'm up you know I'm a hundred percent I'm obsessed you know what I mean if I find somebody that gives me a a goosebump I'm I'm obsessed you know with the record and I I, I work my ass off to make a to make a great record I love the process you know like. You know this, like the first time you hear your stuff back through those speakers, it's like this magical moment, right? It just feels like magic mm-hmm. when you hear that. Kind of grosses me out. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, me. maybe you're working. Maybe you're, that's, that's me though. Maybe you're working with the wrong producer <laughs> yeah. then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe you're no. working with the wrong producer. You know, you know. Uh, I love that moment. So you know, I work with a lot of young bands, and it's just I, I love, I, I love the process. I just love. I, I just love being in the studio. It just feels like, you know, a nice... Do you take a firm hand? I mean, do you like, you know... You know, uh, that's a good question. It really depends. 
It really depends on the artist, you know. I mean, I work right. with Greg Dooley from the Afghan Wigs, and I don't, I don't take a firm hand with him because he knows exactly what the hell he wants. Right. So I'm here to sort of facilitate, you know, his ideas. Do you do you engineer the project? I as engineer, well? produce, and mix. I, 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 I do do it all. And then you know, then you have you have younger bands who've never been in the studio before, and uh, and then I take a, you know, if if they're going down the wrong path, yeah, I, I, I have. I have ways to kind of get my way for them. I'm getting my way for them, really. I'm, right. I'm trying to make the best record for them. They don't always know it, you know. But, you know, as a producer, you, you really have to be sort of like a, a genius manipulator. It's all about making people feel like the, your idea was actually their idea. So you find ways to sort of, you know, get get the job get the job done. But that's not everybody. I worked with, you know, Aaron from AWOL Nation. He comes in. He has a really clear vision of of what he wants and i'll i'll tell him what's working and what's not working but you know in the end he i trust his his uh his vision i think that's important as a producer you can't like always be like this is my record and i'm making it how i want to make it you have to know when that person has an incredible vision and you're just going to help them get to that vision right. and then you have to know when somebody has no fucking vision and they don't you don't even know what path you're on and you have to create that path you have to kind of figure that out, you know, right away. So now, yeah, yeah, definitely. That's bitching. That's very, you know, insightful. Uh, let's see. I, uh, we, we made our own records, like, like uh, all through the '80s. You know, we didn't have a producer. You know, it just and uh, we had an engineer. Yeah. You know, uh, the dude running the fucking gear. Sure. You know, we didn't run the gear ourselves. Um, we had a little home studio at home. We'd do stuff there. Then the records we go into a studio, and it was always real quick. You know, we never had a lot of money because it was always on the cheap. You know, we were on SST for years. Sure. The first fucking record was, you know, World Imitation, and that was completely fucking just art rock of the first <laughs> order. It was psychedelic art rock featuring LSD and really good pop. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, uh, and then uh, and then eventually, first time we worked with the producer, it was uh, on our first major label record. Uh, in like 90, 91, we got signed to um, whoever the fuck it was, Polygram? Poly, poly, Polygram. Polygram. Yeah. And uh, we worked with Pete Anderson, who uh, was Dwight Yoakam's guitar Dwight player. Yoakum. And uh-huh. he had done Dwight's, he, he produced Dwight's records as well. And uh, we'd met him, like Dwight opened for us one time before Dwight blew up. He opened for us at McCabe's. Wow. You know, in the mid 80s or something, right? So we met that guy, and, you know, and, and we're guitar y. We're like, you know, we're pretty fucking, you know, corn pone. So it was down to like guitar kind of a thing, you know, and, and, and the label wanted us to get a producer, and Pete wanted to do it. So we worked with him, and that, and that was definitely interesting to give somebody else any sort of a fucking say in what we were doing. How was that? Know? How was that for you? Like, yeah, it was a trip, you know, because... Was we, it a good experience? Or oh, you definitely. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. no, definitely. I mean, That's I cool. like being in the studio, you know? Yeah, I like too. making fucking records, you know? And the same thing. I mean, you got a tight little studio here. This is a blast. I'd live out here, you yeah, know? Yeah, You know, I'm sure you do. You I know? do, I do. And uh, same kind of a thing, you know? And we, we did it at Capitol, oh, which nice. is fucking foofy, right? One of the greatest you know? studios ever. Oh, it was sick, you know? Yeah, it, was yeah. just, it was totally like a, a blast, and we had a heck of a lot more time. A really fucking cool thing happened. Uh, we were, the first time me and my brother, me and my brother weren't that close, you know. Kurt, my brother, is the guitar player in the Meat Puppets, you know. And we started the band together and blah blah blah. So, but we weren't that close as kids, you know. In a way, I mean, he would like. He's the kind of guy. He was the kind of bigger brother that would like unscrew the light bulb in the bedroom. I'd walk in and flip the light on. It wouldn't come on, and he would reach out from under the bed and grab me by the ankle. You know, <laughs> fucking horrifying shit, right? <laughs> you know? So oh, that's funny. Anyways, we start this band years later. You know, so uh, um, why did I bring that guy up? So uh, we're making the we uh, uh, making a record. Yeah, we made the, you know we made the records ourselves before that, and you know, and having Pete be in there, I, I, I dug it. I dug it very much, you know, and it was a learning experience. Cool. Yeah, uh, he was really, really, really exacting about it. Oh, here's what here's why I brought Kurt up is because first time Kurt and I ever smoked pot together was we were going to see fucking. Uh, uh, weather report. Wow. This is like 75, that's 76 he- or heady, something. That's heady shit right there, man. Like 75, 76, you know, Jocko, yeah. man. Yeah, yeah, shorter. sure. You know, uh, Joe Zow and all. And, and, and who's playing drums that night, or maybe percussion, but was, um, I'm not going to be able to remember his fucking name now. Okay, so the dude that was playing percussion. Anyways, years later, we're making this record with Pete and uh, Alex Acuna. 
right? So Pete wants to have shaker on the record, you know, like the little egg, you know, right? And we're like, well, fucking put it on there, you know? He's like, no, I got a dude coming in, right? So he gets a studio ringer to come in, and it's Alex Acuna. Wow. And I'm like, oh, far out, you know? And I tell Alex, and that night was the first time Kurt and I ever smoked pot together. That's cool. Right? I noticed, like, pot seeds in the car. You know, Kurt had cars. I didn't have a car. I'm too out of it, right? And we're like, is that a pot seed? You know? And uh, that night on the way to the gig, it's like we blew a joint together. It was the first time Kurt and I smoked pot. We see Weather Report, great fucking gig, Jocko, you know. Yeah, incredible. And uh, years later, we're in the studio, and here comes Alex Acuna in to do that little egg thing, and he did it really good. It was really, you know, it's just like real quick, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. Well, that's good egg, good egg, good egg plan. <laughs> and then he's like, "Do I smoke pot?" You know, and we're like, "Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, you smell pot," you know. And and we were into the tasty buds and shit. So he's like. So we get him stoned, and I tell him this fucking story. Uh-huh. First time I smoked grass with my brother was opening for you guys, and I'm like, well, what about Jocko, dude? And he's like, man, that was so long ago. I can't remember five minutes ago. You know, it's just, <laughs> so that happened anyways. And, and I learned a lot from Pete, you know, yeah. as far as like, you know, a particular kind of like production style of things, you know. And I love sure. the records we did ourselves, you know. And sure. I think that I love that question there, like, what makes good art, you know? Does it have to be in tune? Does it have to be yeah. in tune, you know? And do you yeah. have to like... Does any of this shit matter, you know? And, like, some of the stuff that, like, people like the best of us, you know, yeah. the stuff that's endured, we were out of our gourds sure. fucked up on all sorts of really groovy sure. drugs, you know sure, what I mean? Sure. Yeah. And had no idea what we were doing, Yeah, you know? Great and, art is not perfection at all. You know, I mean, it can you know, be. It, it can, can be, be, but you have to know... I mean, for me, I just I just wait for, like, the goosebump moment, you know what I mean? I just, I just wait to feel it. I mean, as sort of stupid as that sounds. Like, yeah. for me, my... My meter in the studio is is sort of like the goosebump, or you know, or like when you when your heart feels like it breaks, you, you know, you have a great take. If it's a, a sad song, and if your heart's not breaking, you're like, I'm not, I'm not, you're not breaking my heart. We don't have a vocal take yet, so, you know, those. I just wait for that moment to feel something, and then you know, and then whether it's out of tune or not doesn't really matter. It's really like, did you get that feeling? Did you feel something? You know, that's the important stuff for me. Has ever. Have any of your stuff? I mean, is it doing good? You're doing all right. There's people like yeah. I mean, you know, Ann and Alec had a gold record, and that's uh, fucking awesome. Yeah, man. and I worked on the song "Sale," which I think sold like I don't know six million singles last year, Way last couple years, still maybe even more. I don't even know. Airwall Nation was that's a hit. bitching. What yeah. a cool story! What a cool story! What a fun yeah. guest to have on the Chris Kirkwood podcast. <laughs> good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another installment of the Chris Kirkwood podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, we are, we oh, are going to cool. have to wrap it up, but it is we like are? we're looking at a bunch of records. And no, uh, it's really interesting, Christopher. I mean, I met I met you when you were a lot fucking younger, you know, and I yeah. didn't really know the story behind you, dude. You know, and and uh, tell Rogers I said hey. I sure guys, will. I definitely said hey. You know, I sure will. And we and we shared a moment back then. Yeah, we did. And it was trippy for us because, like, we've been around for a fucking minute. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then to see the taste of the, you know, taste kind of change, you know, like on a, on a broader scale or something. Like, sure. And it still kind of gets scooped into this thing that was suddenly a little more popular. Yeah. Just popular-wise. So this is slightly different, but still just playing and stuff. And it's really fucking satisfying to see you, you know, doing as well as you're doing. Yeah, thanks. And to continue to fucking, you know, carry through, especially with band tragedy. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, tragedy comes into play, and it's a goddamn fucking shame. You know, Shannon was a fucking sweet dude. That's he was. What I he was. Like, he actually know? was a really, a really you know, you know, sweet, uh, sweet guy. It's a roller coaster, man. If you're not okay with being on the bottom, and you know, if, if you can't, if you can't hang, you just got to get off. You know, so you got to know you're up and you're down, and then you're up again, you're down again. I mean, that's just the nature of the business, right? If you can't hang, go be a painter or go, you know, go do something else. But I have to say that time with you guys was one of my favorites, you know. For us, we were on top of the world, right? It was like, you know, that was like our biggest tour we had done. We finally got to pick who we wanted to open, you know, who we wanted to play with. And uh, I'll never forget, Shannon wanted you guys and um, and Alice Donut. And Alice fucking Donut. Alice I Donut. still see those dudes, and they're great. You do? Yeah. Oh, man. Absolutely. Tell them we said what's up, man. That's absolutely. crazy. That's crazy. So that was like a really fun memory for it me. It was cool. It was being suddenly, with you guys. Oh, it yeah. was fun for me too because, like you know, because like I said, I mean, we've been doing doing it for a long time, and we'd always had fun, right? Yeah. But then to have it be like fun with like these people coming around, ooh, ooh, ooh you yeah, know, yeah, yeah, a little bit more money coming yeah, in, and, sure. you know, and kind of like playing some like, bigger places, oofy, oofy, you know, yeah, this kind yeah. of different kind of a thing, you know, we're still just like. Hey, I'm still taking my dick out. Sorry. Yeah. You know I mean? <laughs> this shit's still going to go the way that I fucking want it to go. Yeah. <laughs> um, and real fun. quick, what what uh, what should we be looking out for 
other than your current band and any projects? Uh, you know, I made a record last year that I really love. This record called Gateway Drugs. These guys came in, and um, it's actually the family three. It's the daughter and two sons of one of the guys from the Knack. Um, oh, wow. Um, Prescott? Is his name Prescott? I just forgot his name. Um, Niles. And uh, so three of those... Three of those family members started this band called Gateway Drugs with another guy named Blues Williams, and uh, one of my favorite records I've made in a while. Actually, it's a really, really cool record. So that's that's out now. That just came out a couple months ago, and then you know, Sunny Boy Thorn will be you know will be on the road, and you know we're looking. We just got a manager, and we're you know trying to find a way to figure out how to put it out, a label. Blah, blah, blah. Come out on tour with us. I would love to come out with the pops, man. dude. I would open. Up hey, we still play. Our, we still do the same old crusty shit, man. Yeah, I love crusty <laughs> shit. Yeah. It's I'm so, into the crushy shit. And you know what we got going on, man? My brother's son plays with us now. That's you so know? cool. We, you know, I got, love that. My brother's son's name's Elmo Kirkwood is playing with the fucking me puppets, you know? And it's so just, cool. It's just gone on to that now, like all these decades later. You I know, love that. That's cool history. The artistic weirdness, you know? So it'd be a blast, man. You guys should come out with us. Oh, I would fucking, love to. Tell your brother I said, hey. I absolutely fucking I was always, it. as a guitar player, I was always like, Man, fuck. No, I Kurt's can't, fucked up. I, I can't fucking play like him. No, Kurt's he was evil. like intimidating. I remember. Oh, he's evil. Rogers and I just going like, oh fuck, we gotta follow this guy. No, fuck that guy's. A, you know, he's a sick fucking mutant. That dude does not play guitar. He only uses the guitar to play shows and to compose songs on. You know what I mean? And and he's, he's so and sick. He's, he's just he's he's his own world. And he really he really and is. The, and the cool thing now we got his kid playing with us, right? And 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 his son is technically. I don't know, better. I mean, he just, he's really versed in, wow. in terms of the guitar, you know what I mean? Unreal. And and uh, and yet still his dad is just fucking ugly and smells he's, he's bad. He's still not Kurt. And Elmo's a great guitar player. He's got this but... much talent. This much talent. <laughs> <laughs> but, All you right. know, that'd be bitching, man. We should do some shows. Yeah, I would love to. That, shit. that would be fun. That would you be know? a whole full circle for me to, to play with you guys Fuck again. Fuck it. We're gonna, we'll, we'll, we'll see what we can come together. That'd yep. be bitching. It'd be cool to have the fucking... Uh, oh, it'd be so all great. years later and to, to fucking come down. That'd be great. Because, be I mean, our thing is still really fun. It's Our thing is still, like, trying to fucking keep the pigs off our nuts. <laughs> Something like that. Anyway... Well, it's really been good having you, and thank you so much for letting us into like your doing this, wonderful Chris? studio. This is awesome. This is, is great. Fun? Yeah, and, this uh, is great. Really, really, really awesome. And who's, who's little podcast host? <laughs> you, you are, you're my favorite podcast oh, host of oh, all time. Oh, thank you. <laughs> who's my favorite podcast host? Who's my favorite? Chris Kirkland. <laughs> hey, thanks a lot, man. Yep, that was really fucking special. That was fun. Thanks, guys. It's a shame